we were just talking before I failed to hit the record button about how we're going to solve our intro music problem for the show. Clearly, we need intro music. And Google just released a new language model in their AI test kitchen that converts a description of a song into a nice baseline or background music track or whatever. So insert here for the music we're going to try out. No, I mean, it's like all these YouTube videos and stuff have the same, on like kids' YouTube videos, especially have the same, the few ones that are just, you're allowed to use them. Right, yeah. Over and over again, like the waiting room music and stuff. So I'm wondering if we're going to see an explosion in that now. Oh, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I bet we will. Um, well, we'll be on the forefront. We'll be on the forefront as we have been the whole way. Yeah, I for sure. Sarcastically, but... <laughs> Oh, I think that we're. I think that you and I have. I mean, we're not going to get a. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves or anything. We also <laughs> need to do a bit of a looking back at our politics predictions already. But uh, you know, I think I think we're cutting edge here at the Mutual Understanding Podcast. Yeah, I think I think we're doing all right so far. Yeah. Speaking of which, so you said we were going to talk about politics a little. So we have two things on the agenda for today. One is talk about a little bit of politics and then also talk about the state of AI discourse. Yes. And I did want to apologize. I believe I said last time that I did not have any bets on the presidential election, which was actually not true. I logged into my predict it to check this and I had an outstanding Newsom short that I did not remember making, but I asked Will about it and he was like, oh yeah, yeah. At some point he was like, I don't know. He was big in the news and he went up to like, I don't whatever it was, like 20% or something. And then you short it. And I was like, okay, cool. I feel good about that. That was a good short. Yeah, that's right. Looking even better now. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to the short. Not, not concerned about that. So that was just one correcting that. And since then I have made another bet, partly been because you were pretty persuasive on the Trump point. Mm. And I listened to the CNN town hall and I do think it has a lot of 2016 energy. It had a lot of 2016 energy. Absolutely. Uh, it was like flashing back to one of those town halls or early debates where everybody, it was it was the Trump show. Yeah. I do still think it's kind of bizarre that CNN did this, but I don't know. I mean, I watched it. I, like a lot of people watched it. A lot so of people I, watched other, it. It's not bizarre. Interestingly, I heard that it was originally slated for 90 minutes and then they cut it short to only 70 minutes. So I do wonder if there was some type of – let me also say this is the kind of thing that strikes me as like a rumor that could immediately be proven false. So, uh, you know, lest I become part of the fake news epidemic, uh, I will say with very minor credence, I could imagine (laughs) something that like they – started to regret at the 60 minute part right. what was going on yeah and and then i also heard that it was like the first they were trying to make it so this was like the first event of the primary season which i guess I, it makes sense that's why it had all those like republican and independent voters but i mean it's weird also with just trump to think of it as a primary event totally yeah, especially because I think he's not participating in the first debate or at least there's some talk about whether or not he will that's what i've seen yeah but then, but then, as Will pointed out when I was talking about this, the other major people have not declared. Right. Like DeSantis hasn't declared. I think Pence has not officially declared. He's like said he's running in some way that makes it obvious that he is. Exploratory committee kind yeah, of right. way. That's I right. I am very curious how many will actually 
declare. I don't know if there's any markets on this to make bets on, but yeah. after the town hall and the way the vibe shift has been going in Trump's favor on the Republican side, I I have like non-zero probability here that both DeSantis and Pence don't go all of the way. Yeah, that could happen. I could definitely see it. And then there's some other people that I think will because I think like, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy already has because he wants to raise his profile, whatever. I think that people hope. You also, do you see that? I don't know if it's real. There was some leaked like three VP names. Oh, I didn't see this. What is this? I forget who they were. uh, One of them was Marjorie Taylor Greene. I forget the other two. I think they were both women. I don't know if it's real though. But if Mm. there's anyway, there's always the like, well, are people going to run and then hope that they become VP or get some other cabinet position. Yep. Yep. That makes sense to me, which I know that that worked out very well for Kamala Harris. I would want to look back at some of the previous races because my instinct is something like you really need to have the right amount of like negotiating leverage in that. You yeah. need to, it needs to be Edward, a wide enough race. I think did that too. Come again. Uh, Edwards with Kerry. Oh Yeah. Yeah, works for him. Oh God! As a North Carolinian, it is uh, our least favored son. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, he fell a lot in he fell favor, for a good reason. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> um, anyway, people like people are saying Nikki Haley is is super positive on Trump. Basically, not any right. nothing anti-Trump. So people are like, well, she's probably basically running for VP. I don't know if that's true, but. <clears throat> Oh, and these, okay, we had two updates on the politics front. The second one, lest we forget, was also, we were talking about right. protests that might be AI-inspired, and it turns out, you found out that- Yeah, the writer strike is, is more to do with AI than I realized. I don't. I still don't think that's the main thing, that, but there was a bunch of stuff in there about like not getting replaced by AIs, basically, so- I, Right. Which is, this is obviously super high profile, not like- Right. I mean, they are sometimes on the streets with signs, but- this would count. Yeah. Anyway, I, I feel like I this. I was about to say something like, okay, well, it's not. Maybe it's just like window dressing for them to add AI to it, and they have other issues, which they definitely do. But it also that seems, I don't know. It, 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 like maybe it, it counts. It, yeah. Maybe maybe it counts. Like this is also yeah. what my sci-fi dystopian version of like a protest for this kind of stuff would look like is a bunch of totally. potentially unemployed people protesting. Right. So in that case. It was obviously much sooner. Yeah. It was happening when we were talking it about was it. Maybe we were basically. About it. So, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this is a nice also just description of what I'm going to feel like when we start talking a little bit more about AI discourse, which is just like everything happening really fast and all at yeah, once and everywhere definitely. all at once. That's right. Uh, yeah. I was talking to somebody about how I think Jan Lacoon has some sort of debate or discussion scheduled with Max Tegmark about AI, but in on June 22nd. Yeah, it's a ways out. Right. And we were like, that's a long time from now in AI time. Uh, this is a good thing that maybe we should tweet at them is they should stake out some of their claims right now to see about, yes. how many of them hold I like it. a month from now. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, yeah, so in terms of the AI state of the AI discourse. I, you know, I follow this stuff on Twitter somewhat. I, you do too, and in person and all that. And then I've, at this point, I've had several AI conversations too. There was the one with Rocco and Alexandros. There was the one with Ronnie and Quentin. And more recently, there was the one with Robin and Ronnie. Um, I've also listened to some, you know, people go on podcasts and some other debates. I have not listened to all of them because they've been coming really fast. Right. 
I think I will eventually, like I haven't listened to Robin and Zvi, for example, which I'm pretty excited to, and I haven't even finished Robin and my husband will. So anyway, I, I'm kind of behind, but at the same time, I'm starting to map out the discourse space a little bit better. And so I thought it'd be fun for us to try to talk about it in that way. I think that's perfect. Also, because I feel like of uh, a lot of people, given the way that you've been keeping abreast of this, the moderation, the the, the listening to all of these, I, I feel like um, one, I kind of want to play a role of like asking you some questions about your thoughts on the discourse. I'm sure I'll, I can, I'll have thoughts to share as well as somebody who's been following it for a while. But even as you named some of those, I was like, ah, I didn't even realize that Zvi <laughs> and Robin had a podcast. I guess I'll add that to the list. Yeah. This is, by the way, my like high level take on the discourse at this point is there was a point a couple of months ago where I think I would have said, I've, I am fully up on the AI discourse. Like right. I just, I know the people who are talking about it. I've been following it for a long time. So I have the context to put it all. And that's certainly not the case anymore. It's just, it's exploded. And now I think, I think it's good by the way. I'm like yeah, pro it this. It seems healthy to me. Yeah. This is, I don't know. This is sort of like the democratic ideal where everybody's sort of out there in the public square arguing with each other talking about the things i think there isn't like a ton of stuff that's i mean you know i guess scenarios about how exactly really bad things could happen are kind of taboo for reasons that i i respect but like i don't think there are a lot of kind of culture worry taboos about what to say yeah i feel like it hasn't gotten mm. super corrupted hasn't it's like a little tribal but not that tribal it seems pretty healthy to me overall right the way people i mean I could imagine something much better, something with much higher intellectual integrity, no doubt. But I think it's pretty good for discourse. Yeah, I, I really, I, I agree with you. And it's nice to reflect on that because I think there's been a lot of times where it's like, I remember the ways in which the democratic ideals of debate suck and it's just frustrating being confronted yeah. with people who disagree with you. But I, I, like on reflection, I strongly agree that it's relative to other issues seems much less corrupt and polarized. And also there's like shifting and movement yeah. in the debate, which seems like a positive sign. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a cold take at this point, but it definitely reminds me of, you know, the COVID conversation in February mm. 2020, mm. when a lot mm. of people, it was kind of obvious what was going on to the people that were paying attention and it hadn't really gotten too polarized yet and it hadn't gotten super weaponized. And most of the sort of data, well, I guess not really, because like people were like, oh, you can't trust the Chinese data and all that stuff like that. And it turns out some of it, like that was something I fell for. I thought those videos of people like, fainting were real, but I think turns out that was some sort of Chinese op. So oops, I fell for that. Or I'm Interesting. confused about it even now. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, it kind of reminds me of that. that. Yeah. And yeah, and it's much better. Whereas now I try to look up even really basic facts about covid and i'm always like uh is this gonna be some annoying like filtered through a million and right. i can usually find stuff that i trust by looking at research papers but it it's not so simple and that's a useful like operationalization of how i'm taking you to mean the term corrupt which is not just like do we have lobbyists for each side right. manipulating things it's some more basic version of uh, is is what I'm hearing being filtered through a bunch of agendas as opposed to people's actual confusions and beliefs? That's right. Totally. Yeah. You're totally yeah. right, by the way. COVID's a great parallel because that's totally happened with COVID. 
when I think about like trying to just Google a term around this, and I don't know, maybe I should see GPT-4 relative to a, a Google response, but like I, I'm sure that I'm going to find either like really sanitized approved uh, takes on it, which might end up having no information value, uh, or depending on the search term, like crazy takes from either direction. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that that's some that's a preamble, maybe, I, but like. I just want to one more on that because I think it yeah. is interesting. I wonder if it's something to do with like the pre-paradigmatic nature yeah. of debates. Like, yeah, we're still kind of people are still orienting and don't know what frame to put AI into yet. And mm -hmm. so it's not like you can shove it into a frame that is legible enough for people with agendas to turn it into a like be like, no, this is the stuff that is allowed to be talked about from that frame. That's maybe my model of like what happened with COVID. It was pre-paradigmatic for a while. People didn't know mm -hmm. what the paradigms were. We got a paradigm, which was useful for everybody knowing what's up. And then it kind of got corrupted. It gets weaponized. There. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I like that thought. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. I'm okay. curious from some of your following of the state of the discourse now, I was <laughs> just talking about it being pre-paradigmatic. But like, what are what are your paradigms or frames on it for like how it's kind of falling yeah, out? Yeah, so I think the sort of the most obvious two different two opposing frames that have been around for a long time. So we'll start there. Would be the sort of Yudkowskian Foom versus the Hansonian. I don't want to. I don't know what to call that. Like he M's is sort of his specific thing, but I think he has a position that isn't just about M's. I think that's right. I put it in the same way I put like um, the, well, the Drexler point of view for like cast systems, but something about like modular tech evolving in some like normal way, which is not a good yeah, catchy which, phrase. I mean, there's also beliefs. like Kurzweilian singularity stuff, which in mm. some ways I think, I don't know, so I, I guess I didn't really fact check it too hard, but somebody posted some graph basically saying that Kurzweil is kind of on point with some of his predictions about how much computation and stuff like that. So I think, I think Kurzweil has come out relatively a winner here, unless that was cherry picked and misleading, but I, I think mm. it wasn't. So yeah, sort of the Yudkowskian, and like this isn't very concise, but like AI is on the continuum with progress in general position. Yep. With that being the Hansonian. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Hansonian AI as progress versus the Yukowskian foom doom. Right. Discontinuity the... versus continuity. Yeah, though something that I would add there is that I think, I, I don't think I've see, really see someone that's like bites the bullet. No, I guess they're negative utilitarians. I don't see a lot of people who are like, yes, AI will destroy everything and that's a good thing. I, I, mm. I see like, but I do see people who are sort of like, biting the bullet on yes ai is basically just fast forwarded progress and that's a bad thing so i think now there i'm starting to see more like what i a friend of mine called hansonian doomers right where they accept the hansen frame but they feel very not optimistic about it that totally makes sense i do feel like i'm seeing that as well i think it's particularly coming from people who have a default skepticism to capitalism and markets a kind of right. skepticism of industrialization which tracks when i think about putting it all in the frame and into the earlier one you mentioned the uh it's going to destroy all humanity and that's a good thing it might be unfair to put the like nick land kind oh, yeah, of maybe people in that camp i think i don't even know i don't know if they exist anymore i mean i think nick land still exists but i don't <laughs> right. know if there's like a group of 
accelerationists with like a dark neo-reactionary kind of take that we should let capital ascend to its final form. I mean, that's that's kind of where Robin's coming from, but he's not not in a neo-reactionary way. Right. So that might just be an aesthetic take. I think maybe it's just yeah. <laughs> some vibe he gives off on it, but you're right. I, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think, I don't know. And I don't know if he would agree with me, but I listened to Rocco's debate with Robin Hansen. And my interpretation is that he is sort of like biting the Hansonian doomer bullet, more like. Mm. And then he also recently was posting about like, okay, well, maybe central planning does work if we have AIs, which is kind of what you're saying, like embracing right. the anti-market aspect of that too mm. which is an interesting take i mean because it doesn't i don't it doesn't seem right to me but certainly like it was described as a calculation problem right so it's it doesn't seem totally absurd to me to be like well okay but if you have a whole bunch more calculation maybe yeah it's and again i it i intuit that this is still wrong but i think it deserves to be part part of the conversation or something right where this part of the conversation is something like, like the biting the bullets. I'm kind of popping back up from where we yeah. got in the, in, to like rethink about what this means. And I think this is, again, this is what makes all of this discourse so interesting is the way in which it's not around clear lines yet. It's still like trying to mark out concepts and, and parts of the map. But like to pop up, it would be like, okay, there's these like, classifications that feel like they're useful for where people fall in the debate, where you have discontinuous development of AI, the classic mm-hmm. Yukowski and Foom, um, where it's like we go from not that smart AI to very smart AI very fast. Yeah. And then people who are more into the continuous version of AI development who believe that it's going to look more like it gets a little bit better each year. Maybe that's very fast but it's still like a steady progress. And also probably it'll be multipolar. I think that tends to go along with that. Right. It will have different, it won't be a single really smart AI. It'll be many different AI systems that are capable. And then people within that world have different doom fears. Is it hopeful? I guess Robin's kind of hopeful. Yeah. Robin is cheerful about it. And it, I mean, I think a number of people will say that their probability of doom is maybe like under 20%. Right. And I think- You know what's those, interesting though? They just yeah. never, I, like I've, I've never consciously thought of that. The people are saying probability of doom like low. Is it then like, is the rest good? Is, is it like yeah, probability good of good outcome? I, I yeah. haven't, have not often asked those people. And I, cause I think in terms of mood affiliation, people that think the probability of doom is like at least 5% are often in the camp of like, so let's make sure there isn't any. Right. So Yeah. I, so then, then it's true. I don't know what people are normally expecting with the rest of that. Yeah, this has always been the part where, and I'm a very, I don't know, pro-general tech progress kind of guy. I'm, I'm very excited about the fact that I'm speaking to you from far away on a computer. It's just as great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the things that's been hard with thinking about all this is the, like the kind of classic singularity problem of the reason why it's called singularity is the idea that like once you get to a certain level maybe of intelligence in automated systems, it's not easy to think about what's going to happen after it. You've passed this event horizon where right. it's no longer clear. And so even when I'm like, all right, you know, hopefully the probability of doom is X percent, it's low. I then think about, well, 
in the good world, is it, I don't know, what's, what's the clear concept of like what we're hoping for? Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, another, like, it's a group that I don't see represented much on Twitter, but, but there are people working on this. Like, I think, I, I'm going to get the name of the organization wrong, but people that worry about S risks or suffering risks. Right. And I don't, yeah, I think it hasn't been a big part of the conversation. I, I don't, I don't know how likely it is or not, but I definitely don't dismiss it, especially that there could be some sort of AI that is running some kind of calculation about what to do that involves simulating a bunch of suffering, basically, to figure something out. Yeah. Suffering risk. Yeah. That Worlds that are be, really bad. Right. And I think, you know, the, the case that people might hear when they think that is, okay, well, what if the AI's sort of primary thing that we're doing involved, like, torturing a bunch of sentient beings or something? And that, of course, is horrifying. and I think that there are also pretty interesting cases where it's something like maybe that's 10% of what the AI is doing or something like that. Like people talk about, um, okay, well, maybe if we had the right sort of setups, instead of like actually going to war, we could like calculate what happened if we did. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, there's something that seems better about that if I imagine it being a shallow enough doing things in emulation. But there's a horrifying version of that where it's simulated in enough detail that right. all the suffering would really happen. I remember actually this to call back to our first interview with Perry Metzger. I yeah. remember, I think it might be an old post from SL4 or one of the old kind of extropian mailing lists. Maybe it was like really, really less wrong about the difficulty of making any kind of smart AI where you can have a guarantee that it's not going to perform this kind of simulation to find an outcome because it is right. clearly on some kind of good path for minimizing predictive error of make a very detailed simulation. But alas, what if people that are being simulated have moral weight? Yeah. I mean, and it's, I guess I'm a functionalist. Like I think at a certain level of detail, my intuition say they would have to, which I think is a pretty common position at least among i don't know people like me or something that, yeah. like my dream is to really try to name all of these core intuitions that that i think are upstream a lot of of a lot of this stuff oh actually let me back up a little i forgot yeah. so if i i was saying that the oldest distinction maybe in the ai camps is the hansonian versus the yukowskian which i think is yep. right but another pretty old one and scott aronson he's been do, he at least did one with Robin recently. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've been reading some of his Facebook posts and things like that. And he wrote a post quite a while ago that I think is is a very good one, which is about a major crux being whether people want to bite bullets or dodge bullets. Mm. And I do think that something that the rationality, I mean, the rationality community ultimately, I think, is filled with people with fairly diverse philosophical intuitions and many, but if, if for the most part, if there's some weird position that rationalists have and I wanted people to most vehemently disagreed with it, I'd expect to also find those people within the rationalist yeah. community. But for the most part, compared to, I don't know, compared to people that don't read less wrong, I think <laughs> that the people on less wrong are much more willing to bite bullets. If someone's like, which anyway, all of these things are connected. It reminds me of our conversation with Ben Weinstein Brown about this. Yeah. But like if someone's like, OK, I have this sort of abstract argument and it seems pretty solid, but it leads to this really counterintuitive conclusion. What now? And some people are more like, OK, well, now I accept the conclusion. And right. it's sort of, you know, uh, 
that's the virtuous thing to do to follow the reasoning and to not flinch away from something because it seems uncomfortable. But Scott Aronson, I think was pretty explicit about like, no, I'm, I dodged the bullet because, and I'm read post recently, but I think he makes a point that I also respect, which is many of the times these arguments seem solid, but then they're not. And there's that he maybe puts a decent amount of trust in the, does this sound crazy? I think this has been an update that I've come to more as well recently, which is, yeah, the virtue of dodging some bullets on Mm -hmm. being more willing to accept that it's not always virtuous to endorse the repugnant conclusion that the setup of this very limited decoupled thought experiment brings you to and that actually the way I justify it I'm not sure how Scott Aronson put it but um, the way I justify it tends to be actually many thought experiments are bad like it's very rare that in the real world I'm encountering trolleys running over people and you can set up (laughs) things that like mess up my moral intuitions by giving these fake scenarios yeah but why am I using that to determine how I live my life in this world where I haven't run into these trolleys? Like, yeah, there are good reasons for them, but we, I don't know, there's some value in like dodging certain bullets. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And to bring up another less wrong post that I've been trying to, I don't know, mention a bunch this year, because I, I've had some conversations recently where I have not wanted to engage with certain thought experiments and Mm. one of my justifications for this is there's a less wrong post called no true fire i don't know if you remember this one i don't but basically where eliezer's complaining about i think it's like a i don't know if this was a real sci-fi or fantasy premise but it's like okay imagine the world where everything is exactly the same as it is now except fire doesn't work and his point is like Okay, obviously, like our brain, whatever, at least my brain can produce something like if I sort of play a video in my mind, I'm like, all right, it's sort of like this. And then somebody uses the flint, but there's no spark and whatever. And then there's some maybe some lightning strikes, but it doesn't. But he's like, no, no. But like, insofar as somebody's imagining it in a lot of detail with like physics and chemistry, like it's not a real thing, a world, but where fire doesn't work. Right. You actually just can't have that world exist in this universe. That's right. It doesn't make sense. Right. And so this is something I do wonder if a lot of these thought experiments, like if we understood things better, would ultimately have the no true fire nature. Right. People are like, okay, but imagine an agent that does this. And I, I think it can be annoying of me, but often I want to be like, okay, well, I've sort of imagined it, but I don't know if it's a coherent agent. I don't know if there really could be an agent that did that. So unless I have some like proof by construction or something like that, I want to hold it pretty lightly and not build anything load bearing on top of it. I just realized the way you've put this has actually kind of constructed something that I'm I, I've like labeled in my head as a different but like crucial part of the discourse. But I, I like the way that you've put it, which is the divide between people who think you can reason from thought experiments and game theory and logic around the future of AI development and the path it will take, and the people who think that you can or should primarily reason from engineering iteration, fast feedback loops. And I do think this is the fundamental divide among the AI scientists. Like if I had to put Jan LeCun in a camp and Stuart Russell in a camp, it's like they occupy different sides of this debate where LeCun thinks 
the way you get knowledge is through engineering, through fast iteration, through figuring out what worked and finding ways to fix it. And so Russell thinks you get knowledge, at least on this issue. And I think this is what makes it tough is some way in which like, I suspect both camps have these intuitions in different ways, but mm-hmm. like the sort Russell's of the world, who I'm giving as an example of one of the earliest really mainstream respected AI scientists, wrote the book on AI, so to speak, one of the textbooks on it, at least, um, who's long been worried about AI safety and and AI X risk. Um, He has long argued from some point of view of we can see some like potential trajectory AI is going to go on. And because of the potential one shot nature of it. Uh, we need to reason from like first principles. And anyway, this divide really yeah. separating otherwise pretty similar camps. No, I think that's a really good one. And I also think something that I don't know, I guess I, I'm hoping this gets hashed more hashed out more in a productive way, because I think that for the most part, the sort of engineering versus first principles camps have kind of different discourse norms. Mm. Where the what have first you noticed? Pr- yeah. yeah. So I think the people and this is all, you know, pretty broad strokes and people are complicated, but like that the first principles people will be like, okay, well, the AI is going to do this and the engineering people will be like, okay, but show me exactly how. Right. And then I think the first principles people would be like, I don't know exactly what they, but like one of the actually, so, well, this is, this has particularly been on my mind where they're like, okay, are you saying you don't accept this premise? But what if you did accept this premise? And I think often I, and maybe it's culture. I don't know, but it does seem like if it's correlated that the more first mm. principle see people want to do have more discussion about. But if you believed this, what about this? And the more engineering people, for the most part, again, I think I think of exceptions more want to be like, but I don't believe that. So right. why are we trying? And and I think this can why come across as me, very annoying. Way. And people will say, well, they don't understand hypotheticals. I think I think it's probably not right that they don't understand them. Certainly, they don't engage with them in the way that their interlocutor is hoping for. I also think there's like a pretty conflict theory-ish mm. lens on it where it's like, I mean, it's on, I don't probably not best to focus on this too much, but like, for example, in presidential debates, if somebody asks them a question, both parties, almost all candidates say their talking point instead. Yeah. You, you, you challenge the premise of it, which I think is a conflict theory move. Like, but you don't I, – I, I fully see how this, especially if you kind of come in from an adversarial frame, a thought experiment somebody's going to give you in a presidential debate or in an even more adversarial environment like Twitter can sometimes be. Uh, yeah. Like if somebody's setting you up for a question and you're supposed to like answer like yes or no or say yep yeah. to this premise or not, you're, you're like falling into this rhetoric move, which okay, so I think here, is unfortunate here, because it's a different discourse norm. Here's, here's a deep cut random reference mm. of one of the early primary debates with Mike Huckabee. He got one of these questions where it's like, the U.S. city is about to be blown up in a few hours and you have this terrorist. Would you torture them? And I think right. he gave the correct answer, which he's like, well, in that scenario, I'm looking for Jack Bauer. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like genre yeah. savvy. Like, okay, you've given me a movie genres. plot. Like, yeah. I guess I like, I guess I now I'm in a movie plot. Like, sort of make fun of the question. That's a really good point, and maybe one of the things we should be thinking about now because this <laughs> right. feels a little cyberpunk, and I should be genre savvy and be looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, but like again, I think it can come. I think it can come across as a conflict theory type move. I think it can also be a relatively adversarial move yeah. to try to change, challenge the premise, change the framing. But I also think there's some sort of intuition underneath it that i and again like i'm not sure if i'm right but that when i try to 
think about why I'm sympathetic sometimes to the more engineering people be like, but that's not what I believe, is that I think maybe they have a very deep mistrust of building anything on top of anything that doesn't seem solid in an engineering way, mm, including okay. in the discourse. And again, my steel man of this is that often I think these things are in fact underspecified. Because if somebody were to ask me like, okay, but if AI were going to kill everyone, would you want the government to, I don't know, like bomb a country in order to stop it? Right. I'm kind of like, okay, well, this is now an extreme scenario. And where actually, Jack I need Bauer? a lot. Yeah, where is Jack Bauer? Also, I, I think the real answer is I would need a lot more detail. Yeah. Yeah. I think often that's the real answer. And so, like, I, right. I, I so would, you're given these 256 character thought experiment and someone with an intuition that comes from likely an engineering y kind of background or, or, or something in this stem camp i don't know is going to be much more reluctant to build their policy their their worldview on like why they shouldn't continue building things the way they've been building them based off of this very short underspecified description and so that recently, yeah i mean and again like i think it's sort of, i don't know what individual people always mean but sure. alexandris was posting about this recently where he was and I, I couldn't say it as articulately as he did if anyone wants to go check his twitter they could but he was sort of like yeah it's, it's very dense connected causal graph and people are trying to like look at some intuition based on a much more sparse graph and then right. try to propagate that intuition. And it's often he's skeptical that that's the right move. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that is, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just saying that I wish something is happening that I think already is happening a little. Like I think people are trying to hash out this question of how people ought to relate to hypotheticals. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, I, I think that's a key part of the discourse and some of the disorientation happening in the discourse right now right and then and then a very related question is something like how people ought to relate to uncertainty like i think i saw richard no and oliver haberger talking about this recently on twitter but i mean they're not the only ones but i think they had a pretty good discussion about it where it was like a thing people often say is like but this seems so uncertain how could somebody's probability be you know 99.999 right. or, or maybe it's i don't and i think I, i've this with I think Eliezer is the one who is most often pointed to where he's been very upfront right. about believing like we're currently at a very high level of doom and it's uh like logarithmic or something for I can't remember how he puts it but like right. our chances of improving are you know hard yeah and yeah. I, I don't I don't know that he I think he doesn't love to put a bunch of decimal points on this sort of right. thing himself but it is he talks about it as though he's quite confident and that is often a crux people have where they're like well how could you be so confident and I think Eliezer would say, well, there are a bunch of things where maybe I don't know exactly how it'll go, but there's some sort of core set of intuitions that the eventual, like the details of the trajectory might be hard to predict, but where it ends up, he thinks are not hard to predict. Right. Right. That actually, I, I, I'm not sure quite why this was one of the cruxes for me or one of the things I'm realizing and how I relate to this. And I should say for the listener uh, or whomever, I've often found myself more in the camp of being motivated by the logical arguments, the hypotheticals, the kind of game theory. I think it comes from the way I was raised in the less wrong tradition. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but a, a, a crux that I could see kind of changing my mind about the power of some of these arguments is the 
Uh, something like the convergence of these mental models, like is it often the case that we can find ways these like, I don't know, that like a hypothetical or a model can be, it can have some like basin of a tractor. And I don't think mm -hmm. I'm describing this quite well, but the thing that I'm thinking about yeah. is like, you're, you're pointing out like, all right, as somebody appropriately noted, like it's a very complex causal graph. There's so many different parts of this. How can you be so confident? And one way I could imagine being confident or uh, on these issues is some way of like, yeah, there's a couple of states that like things tend to descend into. The argument right. from AI risk is something like power seeking being a convergent behavior. And it would be nice to see if in other domains or in other examples, we find similar kinds of like convergent strategies yeah. for otherwise complex behaviors. Does yeah. that make sense? Because I'm still kind of figuring it out in my so. head. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I'm probably continuing to overuse the COVID analogies, but it's a lot of what I have. Like the, I early on, I think Robin Hansen had some polls for how many people globally COVID was going to kill. Hmm. I never went back and tried to see what I answered and how many people, like I don't even, I guess it's I don't even know how many people COVID, how many people died of COVID since I, then. My, my, in my brain, it's rated as between one to 10 million. Okay. Yeah, I bet I put more because I was sort of thinking everybody gets it and then the pandemic basically ends when everybody gets it, which was a little bit at odds with me being like, but I'm going to stay home and not get it. Right. But I think that many people would do that because in past, I guess I was sort of comparing it to like the Spanish flu. Right. It burns itself out by burning itself out by burning. And I think I thought that it would be more global because the world's more interconnected than that, but the basically... People would get it. Um, I do. Yeah. So anyway, but I didn't. And I think there are a bunch of points of disanalogy between AI risk and COVID. But that, I guess this was one where like I, I have to take into account, you know, me being dumb about these things. And I was like, oh, OK, the details of how this is going to go are hard to predict. But I can basically predict that it will end when mostly people get it. Right. But that was, that was wrong. I was wrong about a few things. Like, I didn't know there would be these extremely, I, like, I didn't anticipate that the lockdowns would be as big yeah. of a thing, that they would take as long, and that the vaccines would come so soon. If we're going to continue drawing parallels here, I think yeah. this is one of the things I have updated on as well that I think other people anticipated better on AI is I... I, I think I should have thought about the degree of societal reaction and still very early, but the right. tenor and feeling of this is the same it's kind of, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, Sam Altman's going before Congress, I think in the next few weeks, he's just been called. They're starting to convene things on this. It's it, plausibly, there's a writer's strike involving fears yeah. of chat GPT. Like there is a societal response here, which I think in the same way that might a naive model of COVID transmission. And you're at least better than me because I've clearly repressed like what I specifically <laughs> thought the COVID transmission model would be and like how fast it would go. Um, but yeah, in a similar way, it's like it's very hard to take into account the feedback loops of um, people's responses and all the different kind of like counter cyclical forces you see in society that maybe change things. Yeah. I also just want to note because I Googled this, uh, there were a little under 7 million cumulative deaths according okay, to the World so you Health right. Organization. So I nailed yeah, that 90% nice. confidence interval. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And the only reason I'm bringing it up right, right so now. So here's obviously. another one that just seems so silly. And I don't, I'm not accusing Eliezer of ever 
thinking that people would really seriously put an AI in a box. But I, before I ever met Eliezer, when I thought about AI as a kid, I was like, okay, well, but that's fine because you could just keep it in a box. Like I think right. many people had this idea. And then I discovered his AI box experiments and I was like, oh, I see. You couldn't really keep it in a box. But now it's like, no, no, we're starting to develop these AIs and they're on the internet already. Right. We, like they've that, never we've left the internet. Past. Yeah, right. So, we'll train them on the internet. That's and another example of like, them. I was completely yeah. wrong there. Yeah. In a different way. Are there other, that's, that's another great example. I remember making that joke sometime last year. And yeah. it's just so much <laughs> funnier in kind of a sad way with like the Bing and <laughs> I know, yeah. existence. Which by the way, let me be clear. I love Bing and, and all of the Microsoft products that could threaten me, I think Absolutely. they're great in yes. case it reads the transcript at some point. That's right. Uh, are there other kind of like, because we both have been like following the discourse now for a while um, from like some of the early well thought experiments on less wrong. And I'm trying to think back. If there were other ones. The AI box experiment was a, I think the most notable one. Yeah. Are, were there, were there other ones that like may or may not have been proven true or like, not applicable yeah that's a good i i would have to look back and check but i think that's a good that'd be a fun retrospective to do yeah i absolutely this might be maybe this will be something we tweet out or do a little research on yeah um, definitely yeah that's I, think, I mean this is a little this is not a great example of it but uh pre the deep learning revolution and maybe even a little bit after that i th certainly think like my view of it, but also, I don't know, my like take of like the discourse at the time, which was like one, one millionth of what it is today was something like, okay, well, we're going to be like trying to program utility functions. We're going to be using like right. symbolic representations of them. And thus a lot of the uh, conversation was about the difficulty of making a like utility function, objective function right. reflect reality. Uh, and now that seems like Certainly, with all the topic, all the conversation about LLMs, that's less important. Yeah, no, um, I mean that was like I think everybody I knew growing up, and certainly I assumed that an AI would kind of like take things really literally. Right. Yes, and that turns out not but, to be the case. Not, that's yeah, actually a LLMs. big change, I think. Yeah. yeah, they seem basically to do about the way humans do with that. This is. I want to run something by you. Now we're getting a little away from the general discourse to just Ben's own we can model be back of things. Soon, but <laughs> cool. Uh, I think this is a really optimistic. This is something that's made me more optimistic about the direction of AI progress. Is the importing values and human representations into AI seems to have been much easier for at least this current trajectory right. of AIs which I don't think in like the early discussions around AI that was, at least around AI risk, I think yeah. it was taking us much harder to do. And I think this is something that's come up a bunch. And I think Eliezer had been like, but guys, I never thought that would be the problem because it's at the point where the thing was super intelligent, then of course it would be able to have human values. It's just that at that point we were going to trust it. Right. But, but certainly like, yeah, that seems... That seems right to me. And I don't know. It seems like a good thing about that. Yeah. Like I I mean, this is a unfair because the paperclip example is unfair in a lot of ways. But there right. is a way in which like the fundamental paperclip problem, the idea of like an AI running a model to do this. Function, yeah. Yeah. Is I just I'm not It's really not an LLM sure type thing to do, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that just seemed right to me too. I yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm.
brief prediction about a thing I think the discourse is overlooking right now mm-hmm. um, that I expect we'll see more of in the next year. I have no idea on timing, which makes me bad at predicting here, but it's just everything's mm-hmm. happening so fast and crazily. I feel like reinforcement learning has fallen off the radar of the discourse when five years ago it was the thing in AI for like right. AlphaGo, That's um, true. solving StarCraft. And now all the excitement is around LLMs. I am suspicious that we are... That will come back? That it will come back and that we're kind of neglecting progress that might be being made in RL right now. That we'll have real... I like that prediction. Yeah. Let's put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. Within the year, I'm going to say, because I do think things are just moving so crazy fast. But I I feel like within the year, we'll, we'll see a dramatic development from a primarily RL-based application that mm-hmm. has some kind of real-world impact. Okay. Can I run through a few other, like, I don't necessarily know how to categorize these, but a few other cruxes about things? Yes, please. Okay. So one of them, because Robin did, I, and this is another thing I have yet to listen to, but he did, I think, a wrap-up video after doing maybe like seven or so conversations with people about AI, like what the common factors would be. And I'm super interested to listen to it. But one of the things he said, I think, in the tweet was like, there seems to be a big crux about how much people sort of like think that the AIs are going to have moral value. Like, I think he puts it like how much people are othering the AIs. Because, mm. and Robin, I think, is, you know, far in one camp where he, I think I'm accurately representing his position when he said that like he thinks even a sort of civilization that was like literally about paperclip maximizing would end up ultimately basically having a lot of stuff that was pretty similar to human values, like, you know, Mm. devaluing love and stuff like that, basically because it's a convergent. I think he thinks that all of the values, not all, he does think there are individual differences in values, but he also thinks that like, for example, he said that anything that was sort of figuring out things in it, like he has an, he has a, he believes the functional story of fun where it's sort of like testing things out in a sandbox and where it's low stakes. And so he basically thinks that something else running that algorithm would basically, it's correct to think of that as having fun. And he thinks that therefore, you know, even a paperclip maximizing simulation, right. Figuring out how to navigate the universe would almost certainly be doing that. And then they would be having fun and fun's just one thing, but he thinks there would probably be something pretty similar for a lot of the other things that we value. So so can I repeat this back as something like there's a, a crux or a difference is people's conceptions of how wide the value space is something like, all right, is it really far from human values, human enjoyment of funds to something like what an RL AI agent making paper clips think is fun, or are these actually near enough that we shouldn't be as right intuitively disgusted as many people might be? Yeah. And I think like one thing that sort of Ronnie and Robin hit on when they were talking about it is how much of what we value is spandrels. And you know the term? No. What yeah, is so this is a spandrel. I should probably double check this, but basically, some evolutionary things are kind of functional in and of themselves, but some things kind of come along and they're not directly functional. And so I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, recreated in another creature. Okay, so like, so, like, like so some people think or, that. Um, uh, mm. Some things that people think are spandrels, I think people sometimes think like, dreams are maybe spandrels like that 
dreams, I, th I think there's some arguments for why dreams, like dr like normal dreams people have at night are functional, but then people will be like, well, maybe it's just sort of like a side effect of these other things mm. that like given the other systems work this way, then it's sort of an accident that dreams work the way they do and it's not directly selected for. Interesting. And what's the connection for AI? Something like maybe many of human things we appreciate are spandrels and yeah. so wouldn't it be discovered okay wouldn't it be reproduced? Yeah, actually, let me so i i'll give a, a better I'll, I'll read the wikipedia definition it says cool. in evolutionary biology a spandrel is a phenotypic trait that is a byproduct of the evolution of some other characteristic rather than a direct product of adaptive selection and spandrel is also an architectural term um, mm. for the triangular gap at the corner of an arch so it's like that's a shape that it's not really there because people liked that shape it's there because arches are useful Right. Interesting. Yeah, this does actually, I think, nicely categorize a disagreement in the debate, mm -hmm. which would be if you have a hardcore optimizing process of some kind, whatever it ends up lying, relying, whatever it ends up doing, like, is it is is that going to like end up destroying the things that we humans value? Like, yeah, love, I'd say. Uh, or yeah, as you point out, like, you know, plausibly it's convergent for certain things or like certain values that are like it will be reproduced. And this actually really, I think, encapsulates both the maybe more optimistic Hansonian point of view mm -hmm. and the doomier point of view that is also looking at like, for people who are suspicious of like market processes running yeah. amok, mm -hmm. I suspect they also are like, no, actually, this is an optimizing process that's going to destroy something of value and not going to be recreated. Right, so I do because, think yeah. it's quite a line. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's another, I think there is a camp that I don't hear being super vocal, but I think exists that sort of has the position that like, okay, actually orthogonality thesis is not necessarily right. Maybe a smart enough AI or capable enough AI would actually come to arrive at some of the same moral conclusions that humans have mm. by reflecting but there's no guarantee that there isn't some super dangerous period from when the ai is quite capable but not that capable yet right so that's another right. thing i sometimes see yeah that's interesting yeah, another, and this is, I feel like if I sort of go back to our Perry conversation, this is, mm -hmm. this is my framing. I don't know if it's anyone else's, but it's like, are there true ANCAPs? Are there true libertarians in a foxhole? <laughs> can you, can you say more? Yeah, because, you know, the people say that there are no atheists in a foxhole, which means like when it's really faced with it, yep. if you're about to die, people are like, okay, God, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your company is about to go bankrupt, are there any libertarians in a financial crisis? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so- but I don't know, like, yeah, I think there are some for sure. And it's like, yeah. okay, but let's say the AI is really going to kill everyone. What then? And I think often the libertarians in a foxhole or the ANCAPs in a foxhole are like, okay, but is the government going to make it worse? Like, just because right. it's really bad, it, like, yeah, maybe you want to throw things at the wall, but like, maybe the government is going to stop people from solving it. Like, Building and, the vaccines and selling the vaccines for the AI in a mixed is, metaphor. Yeah. And maybe I'm sort of reaching here, but like if maybe one argument is something like first principles versus um, versus engineering or something like that, maybe there's another one that's something like, 
like if we have to extrapolate something, are we extrapolating from first principles or are we extrapolating more mm. from our lived experience like, or like moral principles or like, right. like ethical principles or values? I want to say just principles, but that's confusing. Yeah. Um, and in, I also think in some ways it's like kind of an aesthetic thing mm-hmm. that and aesthetics and value, I don't know, aesthetics and values are pretty intimately related as far as I can tell. And it's sort of like, okay, this is my best kind of way to understand the world in a holistic sense. It's not exactly about following logical arguments to their conclusion. And maybe I use that even when it seems like this logical argument is telling me something that's sort of out of distribution. That's another... Yeah. yeah. And I would think of, I mean, and I think there are a bunch of people like, I, again, I think Perry articulated this, but I see other people too. I'm, I'm someone in this camp where I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This just cause something seems really bad to me, it doesn't imply that adding the government to it is a good idea. And I want to be really careful about it, which and that's, it sounds like a, I'm strawmanning other people's positions. And I think no, people no, no, have no. like... Look, I'll take the other side of it because I do feel like as someone with very libertarian conservative tendencies and like intuitions around things, this is one of the cases where I feel most okay with thinking about a government intervention in right. the tech space. And it gives me more confidence in my thinking if that's somehow right. Because like there's some alternative frame of where it's like if I'm even thinking and admittedly, maybe I'm just copying other thinkers. It's unclear. But like if I'm even willing to think about drawing from government intervention (laughs) pool, clearly things this is is far out of distribution for me. Which is funny because some people will be like, oh, all of these Luddites. And then people try to come back and be like, no, no, these people mostly love tech. It's just this one thing. Yeah, and so I think that can, that can be confusing for people, for sure. Definitely, and that, yeah, and understandably, like I think a position that makes a lot of sense, and I think you know Scott Alexander has a has a pretty good post about this. Is like, well, even libertarians tend to admit the government is usually good at slowing stuff down. Yeah, yeah. He had a great response to Tyler Cowen, where he had some <laughs> line that was like, "Look, using the United States slowing down technological progress is, uh, in fact, our like telos here for how we <laughs> like manage to avoid this problem. Yeah, manage to avoid existential risk." Right. I thought, by the way, we're just mm-hmm. now throwing out some things that I think are interesting about the discourse has been the rupture of the. GMU Rationalist Alliance. Oh, I yeah, think wait. That, yeah, keep going. I like it. For a long time, the GMU economists who have been, I'd actually, it would be interesting to look at the history of them online, but my impression is they were some of the like earliest and most prolific online econ bloggers and they've had like an outsized influence on the I'm discourse. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's been a, there's been a uh, alignment between this group and the, way too online, less wrongy and rationalist contingent, best exemplified by Scott Alexander of Slate Star Codex, Astral Codex 10, and yeah, less I wrong. Think some of the early best. like promotion of the less wrong and overcoming bias stuff was through Marginal Revolution. Oh, yes, of course. And even, I mean, Robin Hansen. Right, yeah, GMU, Robin Hansen, of course, is from GMU, yes. Has put in both worlds. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's some of the origin there. Anyways, I feel like lockstep on so many issues yeah. until now when Tyler Cowen is occupying a bullish AI stance, skepticism right. of risk. And uh now we're seeing we're seeing we're seeing the fighting and it's a it's a wild world between him and then the rest. Yeah, no, I definitely 
I think there has been no, I mean, I guess, yeah, there nothing has come close. No other issue where as many people that I know personally and now seem so opposed to each other's positions. Yeah. Like there was a little of that with COVID, but it was honestly pretty tame. It was pretty tame because I feel like so many people's from, I think the world that we both like live in are like pro tech, pro like market solutions to these problems. Uh, Like, I don't know, skepticism of maybe major institutional narratives. And yeah, so, but now, now on this other one, whole different (laughs) set of fault lines. Yep. I like it. I, I, I mean, I don't like it because now my, I'm disagreeing with friends and things, but on some other way, I'm like, oh, wow, all right, this is a whole new configuration. We get to do a whole podcast episode on the discourse. Yeah, no, I mean, like my sort of most kind of like, yeah, so one take is like my friends are arguing. Another one is like, wait, we've just like recruited all of the most interesting people in the world to like talk about the things that I was the most interested in. The pet hobby issues, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good positive take too. Because there's been a negative one that I've like held a little bit, if I can be a little vulnerable on the yeah. cast for a moment, <laughs> is the one where it's like, okay, this has been a thing that I have like thought about and had as a hobby horse issue for a long time. There's a way in which like when others come in, I feel a little bit like a hipster about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, where totally. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> we should have been there in the early days when we had really good discourse or something. Uh, when we're figuring out now. Uh, but no, I think it's a much better and I think a, a take I'm going to try to adopt, which is like, okay, wait, this is actually just great. Now everybody has to talk about the thing that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah, I do think there's some of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I, I briefly for like, you know, a few tweets was like trying to forecast some COVID numbers. And I remember being like, this is ridiculous. I'm so underqualified to do this, but I'm like trying to think about what to do. Like Nate Silver should be doing this. And then of course, like a week later, like Nate Silver was doing it. And yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, thank God. Like, no, but I, I remember this. You were, you were <laughs> early and uh, I'm okay. Just throwing compliments your way, like early and accurate on many of these things, or at least orienting to them in a way that I think few were at this time, which, uh, yeah, is a nice thing about Twitter, I guess, is that you, I don't know, that signal can come through. I was trying. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. But again, I want like real pros to yeah, be doing well, where it. Where are the adults? <laughs> yeah, where are the adults? Like yeah. Zvi, I mean, I think that's basically how Zvi's blog came to be what it was. Is he was kind of like, right. well, no one else is doing it. And then he kept sort of going. He's like, nope, still no one else is doing it. Okay, I guess, I guess I'm doing Keep it going. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary to think that might be the way the world actually works I know. nate silver was a baseball forecaster right or he was like really into sabermetrics yeah that's right mm-hmm. yeah i hope well, i mean i guess that's a minor news item he's still looking for a place to land right yeah well i've been thinking we'll give him an offer for joining <laughs> as the mutual understanding podcast election forecaster bring him on on election night that's probably the best he'll get so yeah that seems awesome yeah all right are there any other Yeah, let me look. I made a fruxes. brief list. So another one, that I, I I bet a lot of people secretly care about this or mm. like are going to care about this, but I I see it the most from David Deutsch, who I think I associate him with the Okay, but like if the AI really is sentient or I mean I think that's not so much the term he uses. He talk about like a universal reasoner or something. Mm. That it's wrong to enslave it. Mm. And Right. Yeah, and like I think yeah, I've seen other people posting about this too. Like, like does at what point do we give these things moral weight? At what point are these things moral patients? How ought we to treat them? And so that's yes. there's sort of like the AI are people too, people, 
And though David George, I think, is super clear that he doesn't yes. know current AIs are. But some other mm-hmm. people I'm seeing online are like, well, but maybe. Like, how do we know for sure? Yeah, I've been meaning to, and he might be somebody good to invite, talk to Rob Long more about this, who mm-hmm. I know has been thinking about it for a while and tweeting a little bit about it. I actually think, I don't know if you're making a prediction here, but I will I will stake it as well. I think this will come back into the discourse in a big way. Yeah. I think it, we got a brief taste of it about a year ago when that Google engineer was saying that from his experiences <laughs> with like. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. This, right. was, pre, this was not like the Sydney stuff. This was before a Google internal before. model where he was like, it is my job to like jailbreak this thing. It is wrong mm-hmm. to keep it right. Like that guy. Yep. That, that guy. Exactly. And I remember looking into it and not being like 100% convinced that he was coming from an 100% earnest place. I, mm-hmm. I'm i not sure. You know, I don't know the guy. Apologies if he is, but there really I think are. It's, he's right only thing. at the beginning, right? Like, Yeah. And I think that, I, I, I mean, I, I remember remarking to friends at the time that, look, I don't think he's right about this. I think I had the same read as you did as well, like maybe some other stuff going on. But it's not a simple answer to say no it's hard to say exactly why no where that line gets drawn and i certainly i i think in particular as open source models proliferate that have less of the type of rlhf training Mm. that chat gpt has which has done a good job of keeping it on message for better (laughs) or for worse yeah i think i think it's going to be much easier to see some of them as having something like moral weight or certainly certainly the way in which I don't want to use jailbreaks that seem overly aggressive some of the time. I don't totally. know. I feel weird about it. Yeah. I mean, I think I really like Eliezer's point here, which is like it that there and I don't know I don't expect it to happen, but like wouldn't it be nice if it were what people did to exclude a bunch of statements about people like reflecting on their own consciousness and moral weight from the training set? Mm. But then and maybe, like, I, I still wouldn't know how much to trust if it reappeared because, I don't know, because LLMs are really good at associations of things. But it's like, right. if I ask the thing, like, okay, what are you? And it's like, well, I'm a human and I have human experiences. And it's just talking like a human. I'm like, okay, well, I can't really, I can't really go by that because it's in the training data. Right. But at the same time, like, it does seem sort of messed up that, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't like want it. to be repeating the same mistake that it seems like many of our ancestors did, where they saw something that was radical, that was different from them, and did not assign it moral weight. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I 100% agree with you as well that I'm not. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to give El- Eliza or whatever the early chatbot yeah. was that same kind of moral weight, and we're no. just going to be entering this world where some people are going to start, other people are not, and I suspect it will take on some parallels of the vegan vegetarian debate or something oh, yeah that was one of the th- we were gonna talk about this too this is mm. this is a minor issue but like right. do you will you pay for ai models right uh That's... in particular if you have any probability of doom if you have any kind right. of yeah yeah i'm currently not paying for any ai models i currently am but and i'm not sure i'm not sure either like i i keep thinking about it i'm like uh and many people that are pretty high doom pay for ai models anyway Right. The things I've noticed in the contours of it at the moment are 
this part feels a little bit like a cheat for me, but people who think their work is going to do more for alignment and safety will justify paying for it as helping to speed it up, which I don't think is necessarily wrong, but there's some way in which I would feel uncomfortable about that as like some maybe general. Yeah, I think I I do feel uncomfortable about that because it seems like a general, I guess I'm not even sure it's wrong, but I have long been uncomfortable with the sort of general pattern where it seems like efforts to to direct money and attention to AI safety end up just ends up turning into open AI anthropic right and so maybe I don't know I've heard like different numbers of galaxy brain takes for why actually this is good and I've heard some takes for no no it doesn't it seems like something messed up is happening here which I definitely also take seriously I feel a little confused about it but I I think that worries me about like but it's good for my work I'm like but that seems to me like it's on like a much lower stakes version, but it's on the same continuum of like, but does that like, I should start an AI company. Right. And I, and I'm just kind of skeptical of, I think there's good reason to be skeptical of like ends justifying means kinds of attributes, especially when there's a justification that feels a little bit right. like, oh, I finally get to play with this cool new thing as well. Um, right. Uh, there's a lot of warning signs there. I, as I said, I am paying for it where my line at the moment has been, I am skeptical about incentivizing the production of new frontier models. Mm -hmm. But then once something has reached some kind of tipping point where many people, many are using it, it does not seem worthwhile to me to take the loss of not using it. And I, I, yeah, not a perfect rule, but it is the one that I'm currently trying to, that I'm currently following. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it makes sense to me. I, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky issue, and I'm not confident that a year from now I won't have paid for GPT or something else, right? Or that I won't be lying about having paid for it and going out in the streets with the striking <laughs> programmers and ops people who are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ready, yeah. ready, ready to ready to protest. Yeah. One okay, one final attempt at a crux. I yes. feel like one side of this has won quite a bit recently, mm-hmm. at least among the people that I'm mostly following. I feel like for a long time there was a crux, sort of about like let's talk about this stuff versus no, let's have like pretty care, let's be really careful what we say. Yes, and I Absolutely. think the let's talk about this stuff people won. Yes, before and at this point it's the sort of the argument that like well the ship has sailed that I think solidifies the position of the let's talk about this stuff people. But I think even before the ship had really sailed in that way, the let's talk about stuff people seemed like they mostly won. Do you have a sense of when that happened or when things shifted? Yeah, I would be interested to hear your take. I feel like Mm -hmm. this was much less in the discourse a year ago, but the let's talk about stuff people had mostly won. In Mm. part because, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what positions to attribute to whom at which times, but like it seemed to me like when Eliezer wrote the list of lethalities and the April mm. Fool's Day post, it was kind of like a let's let's try talking about it. It seems more dignified. Right. Flag had been flown, which doesn't necessarily mean that they were like that there was the opposite message beforehand. I think it was a little bit more mixed well, messages at that point. With the kind of like dignified side and i want to steel man this a little bit because i i i i I think there are cases where the 
respectability case make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm not sure, actually. Actually, (laughs) anymore, I'm not sure. But I could understand that impulse. Certainly, I've had one as well that... uh, that, This is an early Robin Hanson post, I think, about, like, budgeting weirdness points. The weirdness points frame being an important... Yep. Yep. I think you're right, actually, around the time when this argument kicked off in a, in a more real way between the let's talk about the concerns in a very blunt way. Uh, I, I think it might have been around that April Fool's Day post as well, both because of that post and something like maybe we can only talk about one issue at a time and COVID had like wrapped up at that point. So oh, there maybe. was room for yeah. a- again. It also did go along, I think, with some events where like GPT-3 had come out right around then. Um, there was definitely more of an awareness in the tech spaces, of it. not at the level now, obviously, but there was still more of an awareness of the kind of like rapid advances from transformers and LLMs over the past like two or three years at that point. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think around then, um, yeah, this is, this is, this is an update that I think, has not propagated enough though of like could we could 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 we have just been should we have just been much more open earlier on like I, I'm still right. not entirely sure like so that, one thing that I yeah. think is is a little bit confusing about that is when I say the like let's talk about it stuff people like let's not care about respectability I think that this was always a pretty different landscape in academia than outside of it. And that there have always been some people that want to be actively engaging in the academic discourse about this, not just the like public square discourse about this and not the less wrong discourse about this. Right. And I think that I think that it was very taboo to talk about a lot of these like, you know, people would talk about sci fi scenarios or call it that more derisively right. in academia in a way that now I don't know, the Overton window's kind of been blasted wide open, I think. I think it's been blasted open, but but it's still it's still not in academia. I'm not sure, and I just have less of a read of that. But I remember Richigno tweeting out that like one of the papers got rejected from a conference, and he's obviously an OpenAI employee writing about risks from the technology they're developing. Yet it still seems to have not entirely pierced the right academic screen. Yeah. So I think I think the respectability discourse has always had like a few different legs, the like how to relate to the public. What if the government gets involved in the wrong way? But then yeah. the part about academia. Yeah, I, I don't have a great model of that. It does still seem like a thing. I don't I know. I want to throw out a model here that might be wrong, but one of the updates from it feels like Twitter in general is it has turned into a leading indicator of discussion in almost every space oh sure it's not great i don't love that every (laughs) (laughs) community's like institutional focus or things like that seems to be influenceable by twitter but uh it's plausible this is a change has happened alongside this where now things like winning the public discourse are better at shifting government priorities than they were in the past because of the degree to which i don't know social media or like the death of expertise has happened yeah, I think there is that make by the way, can I just say for me, it's such a bright spot. I know it's been kind of tumultuous time in Twitter land, but I love mm. I, cold take as with many of my takes. I love the community notes. I think they're me so good. Great. Yes. I haven't yet seen a bunch of community notes about the AI discourse, but I'm sure we will. 
True. Well, it's I'm I'm they impressed. They seem actually kind of high quality. I don't know. Yeah. I want to understand a little bit more about the mechanism design of community notes because I am surprised that they are as high quality as they have been. Yeah, I think I have tried to look into this a little because I'm like, wait, can I create a community note? But no, yeah. I haven't like participated enough and proved my cred. I do huh. try to take the time to rate community notes as being helpful when they are. I think that's one of the things to do to get to be the sort of person to create community notes. But I think it's more than just that. Yeah. Anyway, and I think part of it is that they try, and I don't know like how good their algorithms are, but I think I read that they try to like cluster like groups of people that tend to disagree. But when both like both sides of it like a community note, it's like a very good sign they should go mm. with that community note. Nice. That seems very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because that would prevent some of the worst forms of brigading because it would require collusion between these two different camps. That's right. Who, and then uh, it would I guess hate each other. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, that's. <laughs> I don't know that that's I, I kind of trying to do one more pass on these cruxes. I think in practice, like the sort of more gradual, less Fumi progress people tend to also be the like less government intervention people tend to be the like, we can't really pin these things down type of people. Right. And then there's sort of like the, UK. so like, I do think it sort of roughly breaks down into the Hansonian versus Yudkowskian schools Still, Still, but I think it's I think it's coming apart a little. I think it's more complicated. I think there are all of these more minor issues like the suffering risks, like the what if mm-hmm. we have to care about the moral patienthood of the AI, like all that stuff that I think I think we're going to see more of it. And and then on top of it, though, again, like somewhat correlated are like and how ought the discourse norms to work. And some of them are more like because like, I think I think right now even the pretty even the people that i think read as pretty adversarial seem to me ultimately like whatever like compare sort of where we started compared to like normal political discourse are like right. i think actually trying to figure stuff out actually in an much important more, way yep. and so i try to i try to see their people's proposed discourse norms as as the version of it that's like okay but if somebody wanted this for an ultimately truth seeking reason what would that be and I, I often i think there are reasons like that even if they're yeah. not the ones that i would prefer yeah, I think that's a laudable and good intuition for, can I name check it? Promoting mutual understanding. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> mutual understanding. That's that's the hope. Yep. Cool. Well, on that note, maybe we should call it and get back to reading many hot takes and cold takes on Twitter. Hot takes only on Twitter, but cold takes afterwards. That's right. And I will also say that today on the day we're recording is a very exciting day for some of us because the new Zelda game is coming out. New Zelda game. All right, Very something that can unify all camps. All uh, nerdy camps AI. everywhere. Zelda's still great. 